0: Well hey, welcome. So glad that you guys are here tonight. I'm really excited about tonight. I'm going to Talk for just a minute and then shut my mouth and sit down and learn from the experts. Okay And so uh, we've been walking through this all the feel series it has been good for everybody I know for some of you this it's a lot of really heavy content and uh, I'm just a pastor and theologian And so for me, I'm just teaching you kind of what the Bible says, trying to give you some practical wisdom and advice. But tonight I'm really excited because I think you're going to get a lot more of hands-on practical wisdom from uh, two very intelligent and uh, skilled counselors, okay? So we have the privilege tonight to learn from uh, two of my favorite counselors. Uh, They don't actually counsel me, just so... Uh, Kara Faubacher and uh, Christy Hagans, both of them, yeah, if you, don't know, uh, if you don't know them, you need to get to know them, um, both of them graduated from uh, New Orleans Seminary with uh, master's degrees in uh, counseling, is uh, a licensed professional counselor, and Christy just told us that on Friday, she's going to become a licensed professional counselor, which is, yeah, that's big, right? Is that a pay increase? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. And so uh, we're really excited about that. I want to pray and then uh, jump into uh, tonight's content. I want to give them as much time as possible. I do want to let you know, we've got this number on the screen right here. And uh, tonight, from about uh, for about 10 to 15 minutes, we're going to try and do some Q&A. Okay? And so as you're listening, if you have any questions Anything that comes through your mind about maybe a situation or something general or something that they say, uh, feel free to text in your question to that number. And I'm going to field some of those questions, and hopefully, we'll have some time uh, to answer those as we go. And so, write that number down if you don't have it. We'll put it up later, but write it down and uh, we'll get started. Okay? Well, we will take a bathroom break later. So, if you're like, you don't want to get up, it's too exciting. Uh, just wait halfway through. We'll take that bathroom break. Okay. Let me pray. Once you ladies come on up, I'll get out of your way and we'll pray. They're going to tag team. So who knows what's going to happen up here tonight? (laughs) Let's pray before it gets out of control. (laughs) Father, we love you. We thank you for tonight. Thank you for um, just this opportunity that we have. I'm excited to Um, to serve and be a part of a church that has um, gifted teachers and gifted counselors. And I pray that tonight uh, we can learn, all of us, a lot um, from what Kara and Christy have learned and what they've experienced, and uh, ultimately, Father, what your Holy Spirit wants to teach us. And so tonight I pray for us that this is not just a mind dump where we just learn a bunch of stuff, but as we learn it, Father, that you would begin to help us find ways in our lives to actually apply it and use it in our lives. And so help us tonight to listen to you. We pray for uh, for Kara and Christy, God, that you would use them to speak to us. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: All right, so quick, a little more introduction. Um, he mentioned that we are both counselors. Um, I'll just give you a little bit about where... My counseling background is um, a bit, and then she'll do the same, and then we'll get started. So I currently have been working out in Luling. Um, Yeah, nobody here knows what that is except Rachel. But uh, at a little nonprofit, um, and it's actually a secular nonprofit, so sometimes I get to do Christian work, and sometimes I don't. But I get a very wide range of clients out there. But I've been out there for about five years, and... um, haven't moved from them. (laughs) So that's where I'm at. Um, And before that, I did my internship uh, as a student at the Celebration Hope Center at that time and uh, did a lot of really cool work as well. A lot of the work that I do, I work with kids and teens and adults and couples and families, you name it, right? Whatever the clinical director gives me, I I do, right? And I enjoy all of it, but I love to focus on people who've experienced some form of trauma. So I do a lot of work with people who've who've been abused. So that's kind of my area of focus, too. I'll I'll let Christy tell about hers.
2: Yeah. Um, So practicum and internship, I, I did a lot of work down in Chalmette at a um, nonprofit there, but it also had a relationship with the juvenile detention center there. So I did a lot of um, counseling with mainly boys, but some girls that were locked up for, you name it, whatever, um, all kinds of things. So that was interesting. I never thought I would do that. And um, then internship, I did some private practice at restoration counseling. And um, after graduation, I started um, work in a field called MST. It's multi-systemic therapy. I've done that for about two and a half years now, and that was mainly focusing with similar like kids who are coming out of jail, or we're preventing them from going to jail, and really doing a lot of family therapy with um, their parents or their guardian. Um, so. That was very stretching in a lot of ways, and we'll, we'll open your eyes to what really matters and what doesn't really matter. Um, and then part-time, I was back at Restoration, and so as of this week, I have finished up MST World. Oh, Becca just started MST. <laughs> So she can tell you about it, too. Um, and so now I have moved into a new role. I am the associate director of the Leek McGee Christian Counseling Center. And <laughs> I don't know what that means other than I answer to Dr. Steele. <laughs> and um, and I'm still part-time at restoration counseling. So I see individuals, couples, premarital, marital. I don't want to see kids for a long time. <laughs> I've done enough of that. Um, so, yeah, so that's where we're at now. Cool. Yeah. basic overview overview. oh yeah so tonight we will be covering four main topics Uh, we're going to be talking about the breakdown of what emotions are um, how do they function in your brain and outwardly Um, we're going to talk about the importance of self-awareness and we're going to talk about healthy responses and non-healthy responses of our emotions and then I'm going to teach you guys a model for how to handle uh, whatever life throws at you. Very basic model. So cool. that's our overview. So Kara's gonna start our first portion. And like Dustin said, we are gonna have a break about halfway through. So if we see people start fidgeting a little bit, we know, okay, wrap it up. Take a break, so.
1: All right, cool. So I'm gonna start, um, actually, I don't know if you guys follow her on any sort of social media, but a few weeks ago she asked a public question about like misconceptions about emotion and it was so interesting. Please go read it because (laughs) from my counselor perspective, I was like mortified that people actually believe these things, but it's so true. So I'm going to bust a couple myths for you real quick before we dive into the deep stuff. So some of the myths that people were saying they believed was one to feel is to be weak. And I hope that you don't leave here thinking that at all, right? One of my favorite authors, um, Brene Brown, in one of her books, The Gifts of Imperfection, uh, defined courage as the ability to, uh, courage is the ability to speak one's mind by telling all of one's heart. Mm -hmm. And so to feel and to express it is actually really brave and very strong. So I hope that you guys hear that. Um... Tonight, to feel is to sin is one that I saw a couple times that people said. Um, to feel is not to sin, right? Sure, we can sin in response to these feelings, but feeling is not sin, and nor is it necessarily bad uh, or good. Feelings are not that way, right? You've probably heard um, the phrase, follow your heart. Uh, Hopefully you don't want to do that either after tonight Um, Sometimes our emotions can deceive us and lead us in the wrong direction So we don't want to make decisions only based off of emotion We want to make decisions with our logic too Um, This is one that I saw a few times um, That men do not have feelings, only women And As a woman, that one hit me. But let me just tell you, dudes, you also have feelings. You may not express them in the same way, but you still have them, just as many as we do. So please remember that. Um, And the last one I saw that what people said, to feel certain things or to express them could mean that you're not some super holy amazing Christian, like the super holy amazing people. Don't really do that, right? We're going to debunk all those. Um, just get ready, <laughs> okay? All right, so what I'm going to talk about first is just some basic fundamentals of emotions. Christy and I were trying to put this together, and we were like, maybe, do people even know what an emotion is? Um, it's, it can be a very vague concept, I think, to talk about. So I'm going to talk a little bit about where some definitions of this. And, uh, and we'll kind of explain what emotions are. The word origin, Dustin probably likes this one, even though it's not a biblical word origin. It's from a Latin word meaning to move or to stir, to stir up. And so you'll see, you'll see that as we talk about emotion, how that comes up. Um, God created, and you've probably heard this multiple times through this series, but God created us in his image which includes being a people who feel. Um, The animal kingdom experiences emotion. You guys probably know that. I've got the most anxious dog on the planet, okay? He feels anxiety. However, human beings are able to do so many more complex things with their emotions, um, and they're able to process them. They're able to express them in different ways, right? And so you see that part of the imago Dei, that we're created in the image of God, you see the way that our emotions are very complex. And if you grab one of those feeling wheels, you're probably thinking, what, there are so many different feelings, and there's a bunch of them that aren't even on there. That just is a reminder to you of how complex our emotions are. And it's a really cool thing being created in the image of God that way. Um... I found a really cool theological article about emotions as well, Dustin. That I didn't show you, but it's probably oh, it's probably okay. I'm going with it, it's okay. Um, and, and and there's a lot of great content in it. And one of the things they start with when they're talking about this, any sort of idea about emotion, and when we think about it, we it has to begin and begin and end with God, because we are created in His image, so we have to start with Him. In um, understanding how he feels and things like that, I'm going to read this quote from that article: "The capacity for emotions is designed by God as part of His divinely ordered plan. They are necessary for us to properly know and relate to God. They are designed to facilitate the fulfillment of the Great Commandments, loving God and loving our loving people." The properly functioning Christian soul requires passions and affections that are properly trained, that care about the things God cares about. Christian virtues and values require a mature emotional life. So, all of this is just telling you God created these things, um, and He created emotion. Um, We feel it because he feels it. He created it for a purpose. We'll go over some of the purposes of that too. But you see that when you have a mature emotional life, it is key to living out a mature spiritual life. They go hand in hand, and they always have to. Um, The noun from, and this is dictionary.com, don't kill me. I didn't look in Webster's or anything, but they define it this way an affectionate state of consciousness in which joy, sorrow, fear, hate, or the like, many of those feeling words, is experienced. It's distinguished from cognitive or volitional states of consciousness. That means um, your thoughts are different than your emotions and behaviors. They're all three different. We're going to go over that in a little bit too. Um, But as we talk about the word emotion tonight and how to manage them, We're really saying the same thing as feelings. We'll just use them interchangeably. It's any of that. Any of the feelings of joy, sorrow, fear, hate. Um, Any strong agitation of the feelings by experiencing love, hate, fear, etc. Usually accompanied by certain physiological changes. So um, that is one important thing to remember too about what are emotions. Emotions are created in such a way they are psychosomatic. They are body, mind, and soul. Um, you will always experience some feel physiological thing with your emotion. They go hand in hand. They affect your, your body like that. God created them that way. Um, okay, I'm not going to read that definition. Okay, now I need the whiteboard. Can, I, can y'all see this if I come down here? Okay. I sprung this on him last minute. Thanks. Okay, I'm gonna draw something for you guys, just really, really simple to, to tell, I know, right? <laughs> to teach you a little bit about this as well. And the counselors in the room, should know this. I'd Be sad if you didn't know it. Can y'all read this? Sorry, my bad. Bad handwriting. OK, I'll move it. All right, so in counselor lingo, we call this the cognitive triangle.
2: Dun,
1: dun, dun. <laughs> I have to teach a lot of clients about this on a daily basis. It's very simple, okay? I just mentioned to you guys that thoughts and emotions or behaviors are distinct. Um, a lot of times I will ask a client and no, counter to what you may think ver- based on TV, I do not only ask them how they feel all the time, but I do ask them, a lot of the time, uh, what's going on, how they're feeling about something. Nine times out of ten, if they're not super self-aware, which Christy's going to talk about in a little bit, they're going to answer with a thought. So, like, how do you feel about this? Well, I felt like maybe this person was going to say this. And I have to redirect them and go, no, that's, that is a thought, right? Right? Our feelings are the words like that on that wheel, right? I was worried. I thought this person was saying this about me or whatever, right? The feeling I was worried, right? The behavior is the response, right? What are you doing? How are you showing that you're worried, right? You see that they're all pointing to each other they are um, all connected in that way, because they all affect one another very greatly. So you cannot experience an emotion without experiencing thoughts that go with the emotion, bodily sensations like we talked about that lead to behaviors, right? They all connect, they all affect one another. Um, And so Christy is actually gonna hit this a little bit when we talk in the next section. But when you are trying to understand your emotions, it's very important to understand all three components. Um, Because sometimes this over here is where you see the unhealthy behavior, right? Or sometimes you can see unhealthy thoughts that lead to worse emotion, right? Uh, Or um, stronger, right, emotion. So we've got to be aware of all three of those as we're talking about this. Um, that's it. I don't need the whiteboard anymore. Are y'all, are y'all going to remember the cognitive triangle? Okay. It's easy. Don't forget that one. Okay. I'm going to read this one too. This is um, a quote also from a different um, article that I read. Whether triggered from something without or within, emotions produce changes all throughout the body. They may Uh, make your heart rate, they may make you sweat, they may make you um, cry. Um, All kinds of physiological changes, right? Maybe you're hot, maybe you're cold. Um, They do all kinds of things to the body. They affect your tone of voice, your energy level, your facial expressions, right? That's how we see emotion a lot of times. Um, They have enormous power also to enhance, distort, or totally disrupt the mental processes So that's how you're seeing some of that cognitive triangle um, play out. Our emotions have a huge impact on our thoughts and our behaviors. So that's why we want to learn how to manage them. Um, I'll also give you an example of, of the cognitive triangle in my own life. So last week, I don't know, we had like this dentist debacle happen in our family, okay? My little girl had a couple of cavities, and don't judge me because I don't care. She had a couple cavities, right? So we set up this appointment and uh, to get her cavities filled. And the the dentist office, you know, sweet people, but they neglected to communicate a lot of things to us before we went in. And so when we went in, I took off work for this. I mean, this was like a big deal. So we went in, all of us, because we all had to be there. And the lady said, well, you're going to have to pay the full amount, even though I just handed her our dental insurance cards. You're going to have to pay the full amount today for these cavities, and maybe they will reimburse you. And we were like, absolutely not. <laughs> and so listen, listen to how my, my cognitive triangle's going, okay? <laughs> so the thoughts are not nice, first of all. But, and I'm a human. So sometimes, yes, my thoughts are not nice and I have to deal with those things. But I was like, is this lady kidding me? I took off work for this. Does she even know how bad she's inconveniencing us? She didn't tell us any of this stuff. And my mind's going. And the feeling that I'm feeling that's getting a little stronger with each thought, frustration, I'm angry. And my, sometimes my thoughts are like, Oh, pregnant lady's about to reach over and punch this lady. I'm so mad, right? So then my behavior, and I'm not going to lie, I had to repent. I had to repent. My behavior was I was not very nice to this lady. I was like, uh, you know, I said whatever I thought in my head pretty much. And then I stormed out uh, with my small children and bee following me and... And then, you know, Tatum's crying because she can't get her cavities filled. So, you see how this, like, this was all connected, right? The bodily things that I felt that led me to storm out, mad pregnant lady, was, like, my heart's racing. I'm, like, my fists are clenched, you know. I knew it. I was, like, I'm getting mad. I need to get out of this dentist's office, right? So that is like how it works you're going to see it anytime you experience any sort of feeling you're going to see the thoughts you're going to see the behaviors you're going to see the actions they all connect they always will um okay so what is the purpose of emotions this is always really interesting because i think sometimes when people come in my office they want to stop feeling a certain thing um I don't wanna feel this way anymore. I don't wanna feel sad anymore. I don't wanna feel angry anymore, right? And they want me to help fix that. Um, But I always go back and remind them, look, emotions are not necessarily the bad part of this. There is a function of emotion. There is a purpose here. What is this purpose of the feelings that you have, right? Um, Emotions can be responsive um how are we doing on that okay good they can be responsive or they can be preparatory responsive emotions help us understand and identify what we are feeling so we can understand what's going on beneath the surface christy's going to hit that a little bit too how do we get a little deeper Um, but they help us understand that sometimes emotions will signal a need um do I need rest? Do I need comfort? Do I need, um, a play? Do I need to, to do some sort of action? Do I need to set a boundary? A lot of times they, they signify something that we need to do or a need that we have. Um, they also inform us. This is all emotions that are responsive here. They inform us of what we value and hold dear. So, um, we had another debacle where our homeowner that we bought our house from didn't up his termite contract. And so guess whose job it is? It is ours to up the termite contract. And we were a little angry about that, right? Cause it's, you know, expensive. So the anger I felt, okay, well that anger, um, it's telling me that I value my home. I don't want termites to hurt my home, right? Or maybe days that I'm sad because I can't hang out with my kids. i got to go to work. Um, that just shows, the sadness shows that I value family and time with them, right? Sometimes the emotions will uh, show you what you're valuing, what you hold dear. Um, it could be anxious about a test, maybe because you, you value education and you want to make good grades, right? It could be anything like that. Um, the preparatory, uh, function of emotion, emotions send action signals to muscles and organs of the body to prepare us to do something. Remember the, the origin of the word is to move. Um, that's the, where it came from. So a lot of times the emotions, that's what they're doing. They're getting us ready for action. Um, some, some form of action. Here are some examples, anger. Uh, It can compel us to action. For example, some of the biggest organizations in the world uh, that are helping people, right, or even small things, sometimes it starts with anger like, well, I hate human trafficking. I'm going to do something about it, right? Mm -hmm. I hate inequality. I'm going to do something about it. A lot of times that anger is there and it sparks action Mm -hmm. Um, in a good way. It can do that. Right. Fear. Sometimes we have a fear or anxiety there to help us get something done. Maybe you're a procrastinator and you have a lot of anxiety when something is due. The anxiety is there to help you get it done. Right. Um, Or the fear could be this is a dangerous situation. I need to exit. Right. It could be that, too. I don't know if you guys have been reading the blogs that the counselors have been writing, but um, I've been enjoying reading them. Um, But I shared a story in my fear blog about uh, this exact same thing when I was approached by a pit bull off of a leash and a strong man in the dark in Lakeview alone. And of course, the the, the emotion is, what is about to happen? That's the thought, fear is the emotion. Right. I was afraid Um, this could be really bad. Right. Um, So that fear was telling me, Kara, you probably need to leave. This is not safe. Right. So fear can do that, too. Sadness. Sometimes sadness can be there to tell us uh, maybe we need to grieve something or maybe we need to slow down. and process through something that was hurtful to us, right? Um, joy, joy could communicate, hey, keep doing what you're doing, right? Keep, to, keep doing more of the same thing because it's obviously bringing you joy. Guilt uh, could be there to help us make amends or solve some issue. Uh, love, which can be an emotion and can be, can be other things too. Um, maybe it's there to remind us to care for someone, nurture someone, something like that. Um, Emotions also in this um, preparatory, is that what I said, preparatory? They can also communicate to others. They can communicate how we feel, what we think, what we need. It brings people together in empathy. Um, So that's another thing that they do as well. So what are the different emotions. We pulled this out and we wanted you guys to have it because um, a lot of times counselors will send these home. um, And if you need to pay attention to your emotion a little more, um, we give these to people so that they can see what some of them are, right? There's a ton of emotions on here. Um, and you can look through those there. I like this feeling wheel because it's categorized with very basic emotions to very complex, um, out in the back and they, they have them where like they're in families of emotion. Um, and sometimes I think one of the myths I shared with you earlier, people will say, oh, well, anger is a bad emotion. I don't need to feel that one. Or happiness is a good one. That's the one I need to feel, Right. There is no good or bad emotion, uh, negative, positive, no. Like we're trying to get that out of your head because remember all emotions are God created and God experienced at some point, right? Um, So the good and the bad thing, we just need to throw it out. So we're going to use the language comfortable emotions versus uncomfortable emotions, right? Comfortable emotions, happiness, joy, peace, right? Any of those, like, sweet butterfly-feeling ones. The uncomfortable ones are the ones that are evident, right? Fear, anger, you know, all of those kind of things, right? Bitterness, um, that kind of stuff. Those are uncomfortable. We use that language because the comfortable ones aren't they feel good to feel that you know we like to feel those things those are the fun pretty ones right but the uncomfortable ones yeah make us squirm a little bit and I think the uncomfortable ones are actually the ones we tend to avoid the most um and we'll we'll talk about that too but now some people who are very dependent on their uncomfortable emotions That's what they've lived with their whole lives. They actually have a hard time with the comfortable ones and feeling them. So I could go both ways. But the ones that are uncomfortable are usually the ones we're avoiding. Um, I'm going to read this one, too, from the, the article toward a theology of emotion. The fact is there are no damaging or destructive emotions per se. Our emotional makeup is totally from God. All emotions of which he made us capable are constructive when used properly all emotions however can become destructive when we fail to express them in harmony with biblical limitations and structures right so no good and bad emotion but yes they can get destructive if we let them right? I use this analogy a lot with my clients. I'm like, okay, well, do you want to be driving or do you want your emotions to be driving? And, you know, they just stare at me. Well, I think I, think I want to be driving, right? I'm like, yes, that's the answer, right? So you don't want your emotions driving um, because they will. Remember, follow your heart is sometimes not the right thing to do sometimes they will lead you in the wrong direction, right? Um, and so it's not a bad thing to have them in the seat, right? It's not a bad thing to experience them. But if they're dictating all that you do and all that you say, you will notice that your, your actions will uh, show and they will sometimes be very negative things. So um, they can be very destructive. And we're going to talk about also tonight... Well, how do we make them productive and not destructive? How can we make them constructive? Um, Okay, so that's just the fundamental stuff about what are emotions, what are their purpose, what are the different feelings that we feel. Christy is about to get into more self-awareness and how we do that.
2: How's everybody doing? we okay? Do I need to stretch or anything? You okay? No? Okay. Well, we're going to keep going. All right, we're about to get real everybody got everybody ready to get a little real okay I might make you a little uncomfortable with this piece so uh, I, and I'm okay with that so if you don't know me I say what I want to say y'all might have to bleep something out of the recording I'm just kidding I'll be on my best behavior um, so I'm talking about self-awareness and that's really just a fancy way to say paying attention to yourself okay um, and and honestly I I'm surprised at how many of us don't do that well. <laughs> it seems like we should be able to know exactly what we're experiencing and what we're thinking, but I think we just get in this habit of operating a certain way to certain responses, and that's just our habit, and that becomes our lifestyle, and it's not until that's challenged that we begin to think, maybe there's a, maybe there's a reason why I'm responding this way. So. Um, When we're talking about self-awareness i think a lot of us too are really good at thinking about what we're good at what our strengths are and we're not so good about noticing what our weaknesses are uh, sinful patterns unhealthy thoughts and so when we're talking about self-awareness tonight we're talking about both the good and the bad and your willingness to be brutally honest with yourself so that god can heal and clean house Okay, so um, something that Pastor John, oh man, he's not in here, he stepped out. Tell Pastor John I gave him credit, wherever he's at. Um, he talked about this in his anger sermon. He said, you can't fix what you don't face. And I was like, oh, I'm stealing that for my topic. <laughs> but it's true. And I would say most people, when I talk to them about, all right, Lord agrees too, I guess. Um, most people... When, when they start to share their stuff with you, those uncomfortable things that they're going through or those patterns that they want to see change or maybe a problem they have. Um, man, the rain distracted me, y'all. I had a really good point, and it just gone. Okay, yep, yeah, back to it. Um, when you start talking about people about their stuff, when you say, well, maybe it sounds like you should go talk to somebody professionally about that, they immediately retract everything they said. They're like, it's not that bad. And they start to gloss over it. And I think it's because we're really uncomfortable with talking and digging up the ugly stuff that's just taken root way down. Because if we just keep it covered up and we just bury it, it doesn't exist, right? How many of y'all grew up in a house like that? Because I did... (laughs) yeah I mean what Kara was talking about was so true anger and like sadness and frustration none of that was really allowed in my house growing up and I have wonderful parents who love the Lord and they loved me and my sister they taught me that I should just be happy all the time I never saw healthy conflict I mean I never saw them fight so I thought nobody fights if they love each other (laughs) It's quite the opposite. If you, you fight for what you love, right? You fight as a response of what you want to see happen, what you want to see change. So I had to learn how to fight well because relationships can't work if you're not honest about what's happening. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about self-awareness, this willingness to be honest and bold to deal with your stuff. And I'm saying stuff instead of S-H-I-T because that's what it really is. <laughs> right it stinks it's messy but out of that it's like fertilizer right like if you're willing to deal with it I'm, I'm just saying that's what I say in the counseling room sorry <laughs> but um and then so there's this other uh, I think a resource on our website from Peter Scazzaro the emotionally healthy spirituality are many of y'all familiar with that I think we did a series on that um He talks about if we neglect our intense emotions, we are false to ourselves and lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. We forget that change comes through brutal honesty and vulnerability before God. And so it's not just about being honest with your best friend, with yourself, but also being brutally honest with God. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on in our response piece, but it's just, like, God's big enough to handle your stuff, okay? Like, and, and even the really difficult questions or your difficult concerns, he's big enough to handle it. So he wants us to deal with it so that we can be the type of people that he can use as well. So we're losing that if we're not willing to deal with our stuff. Um, so kind of hitting back on what Kara talked about, that whole connection between Our experiences, what's happened to us in life, you know, getting cut off in New Orleans and we all know what that's like. (laughs) So our experiences shape our thoughts and they shape our actions. And so maybe that looks like when you were growing up, your mom and dad were not available to you. They had to work a lot and they were really taking care of you know, they were working, they were making, paying the bills, they were making sure that there was a roof over your head, they made sure you had a swimming pool to swim in, because they thought that was important, or whatever, but they really weren't emotionally available for you, that may set a pattern in you that maybe you have to work to earn your parents' attention, and then later on in life, What that looks like is with your friendships, with your dating relationships, with your spouse, that's going to look like I've got to work to earn my partners, my friends, my spouse's time and affection and love. You see how that connects? That's part of that stuff that you want to deal with. And so it really is important to kind of go back and look at family dynamics and see, why do I act the way that I do when this happened? And so it's It's important that anytime we have sort of a a thought I want to say just a thought, if you have a thought because thoughts actions start from thoughts, right? like normally, unless you just really react quickly. but normally we have a thought and a feeling. So when something happens and we recognize that we're having an unhealthy thought that might. I don't, mm, it could negatively impact somebody else or negatively impact ourselves. We need to slow our roll. We need to s- stop, drop, and roll. You know what I mean? Like, we got to stop before we react and we hurt somebody or we hurt ourselves. So one of the ways that you can do that is through Socratic questioning. It's just a really fancy term. I don't know where it came from. I married a philosopher. I'm not the philosopher. <laughs> I'm not really a, Anyway. It's just a fancy term that asks yourself very honest questions, like how, why, how often, those sorts of things. Some of those would be like, oh, and we have a resource available on the website. Oh, it's right there. Y'all, I didn't even know it was there.
1: <laughs> OK.
2: Thank you, Chris. You the man. So these are Socratic questions for, oh, OK. Everybody can see it. Good. Um, So I'm not going to read those to you because you can read it. So those are Socratic questions. It's really good to ask yourself when you're having a very uncomfortable, mad, upset, whatever type of response to something. And you're really trying to figure out, why am I responding this way? If you don't have one of these, you can just ask yourself some of those same questions like what, how, how often... Is there fact here is there is there what's the evidence that supports this what's the evidence that doesn't support this? that sort of thing? But in order to do that, you have to be willing to take the time to do that and we're really good at keeping ourselves busy, especially when we 're uncomfortable and we don't want to deal with something and you know we have this thing called a phone, and it makes it really easy just to avoid responsibility uh, self care um, dealing with conflict in relationships. And so you can't do the Socratic questioning and figure out what's wrong with you if you're not taking the time to do that. And taking the time to do that with other friends as well, or maybe your spouse, or maybe your best friend, or maybe your sister, whoever it is that you know, they're healthy enough to kind of walk through that with you. And they're not going to judge you for it because they know you're a human and they know that you got stuff and you're trying to deal with your stuff. But ooh, spit zone sorry um but somebody that you can trust and we're going to walk through having healthy boundaries in order to know who you can trust with that and who you shouldn't trust with your stuff um you should make it a habit of taking the time to to ask yourself these tough questions and just really exploring why did I respond that way? Why did I feel the need to show off like that? Why did I, why, am I feeling insecure? I mean, that's, un, that's uncomfortable. Nobody wants to admit those things. But you can't grow from it if you don't acknowledge it. Um, making a habit to sit in the feelings of anger, fear, sadness. None of those are things that we want to deal with. But allowing yourself to sit in that and invite God to be a part of that with you. Invite friends to be a part of that with you. Um, Having a healthy awareness of your weaknesses, your failures, and your mistakes. And I don't mean like to self-loathe, but being able to recognize, I'm not good at this. Find something else that you're good at. (laughs) I messed up in this area. Okay, acknowledge it. Don't, don't cover it up. Deal with it. We're all grown-ups here. So those are all kind of like in within yourself, right? Those are all how you can be self-aware with just you. Now we're going to talk a little bit about how you can be self-aware in relationships. So I use this word triggered. Does anybody, anybody familiar with the word Triggered. I see it's an... Yes, yes. Okay. So for those that aren't really aware of what triggered means, it's, you know, real-life example in New Orleans. You're driving down (laughs) I-10, and you're getting ready to calmly take your exit, and somebody, maybe an 18-wheeler, realistic, just comes over. (laughs) Okay, I'm triggered. Mm -hmm. What I want to (laughs) do... I want to do lots of things that I shouldn't do as a believer in Jesus Christ. So, <laughs> Holy Spirit is still uh, conforming all of us in the image of the Son. So, I'm triggered, right? We all feel that. It's just that initial, like, gut reaction. You just want to, ah! whatever that might be for you. Uh, or maybe it's more of a sadness maybe you are triggered by this intense emotion or you something something that somebody says triggers you and then you are overwhelmed by this intense emotion of sadness and with any of those emotions like when a trigger happens i kind of envision like a wave just coming over you whether it's sadness being afraid, whether it's um, being angry, whatever it might be. Normally, we're not triggered to feel happy things or comfortable things, right? We're normally triggered to feel very uncomfortable things because it's hitting, it's like bumping some of our stuff, right? Um, so it's being willing to ask in those relationships, I love this person, so why did I react this way when they said that? Right? So maybe that's in their, in I mean, me and Josh have fights, believe it or not. Like, you know, he writes for Vintage. I sing for Vintage. We're not perfect people. None of us in here are. Love the man deeply. But we fight. And sometimes it's over, well, normally, it's over the dumbest stuff, right? Like, your biggest fights can be over the dumbest stuff. <laughs> I'm hearing some people laughing here. <laughs> Y'all get it. Yeah, and it's it's a matter. Like, if what you want to do in those moments, like, what... Your emotional reaction is just to like, ba ta, ba ta, ta. Like, not, I don't beat my husband, but like, <laughs> and he doesn't beat me. <laughs> but you know, like those verbal attacks, like, you've got them, like, those thoughts are just going in your head. and taking everything you can just to cover your mouth so you don't hurt that person. But instead, if we would just take the time to be like, why did that make me so mad? Did I not feel heard? Uh, whatever it might be, right? Just slowing down long enough to figure out, why did I react that way? Um, Being honest and transparent about your struggles, your doubts, and your hurts that are beneath the surface, right? Because emotions and our lives are very much like an iceberg, right? You see about 10% on the outside, and there's like 90% of stuff going on inside, And we can go through life without dealing with that 90% if we want to. We won't live a fulfilling life. I don't think so. And I don't think that's the life that Christ promised us. He said, I came to give you an abundant life. And I'm sorry, I think that means dealing with your stuff. So that you can live without chains of bondage. Right? Amen. Um, Oh, man, this is a good one. So... Be honest about what type of friend you are. This is a really difficult, uh, I think, point to be honest with yourself about, because I know, I guess like a few years after being in the counseling program, I realized that I talk a lot, go figure. Um, And sometimes I, I have a bad habit of not listening well to friends when they're sharing, I don't know, we're just talking. And if I'm not careful, I'm the one doing all the talking. And I had to, like, I've had to apologize to friends before, saying, I'm sorry, I haven't been a good friend. I've been talking a lot, and I, I haven't really asked you very much, and I haven't listened well. And so, you know, be honest with yourself. Are you an overbearing friend? Are you only calling your friends when you've got stuff you need to deal with because you're always in a crisis? You know, are you a controlling friend? You better not be hanging out with anybody else. You're my BFF. <laughs> <laughs> are you inconsistent? Do you commit and then you back out because something better came along? You know, um, are you unattached? Just not really willing to commit to a friendship, even though people are showing you that they're trustworthy. Um, are you demanding? Like, just not. not able to be flexible with your time and like those are all uncomfortable things that I mentioned but none of us are gonna look at our life and be like I'm a good friend like that's not uncomfortable but just giving yourself like an honest look under a microscope what type of friend am I what type of um, spouse am I what type of just asking yourself those questions Um, and then I, I really wanted to talk about boundaries because it's so key to know who you can be very honest with. Like, there's a, there's a relationship there. Having healthy boundaries and knowing who you can share the most intimate parts of your life with. And I don't mean intimate in a sexual way. I mean it in a very emotional way, right? Because we are more than just sexual creatures. We are emotional creatures, and that is part of intimacy, so, when I think of boundaries, um, and th- there's another resource that we have available for y'all on the website, I think about a swimming pool. It's not a super realistic example because there are sharks. And we, Oh, there it is. Man, Chris, you're good. We didn't talk about putting these up beforehand, obviously. So, um, So, realistically, sharks are not in your swimming pool, but just go with it. Alligators, that's true, alligators can get in your pool, so just change it to alligators. But, um, (laughs) you know, when you think of a swimming pool, you see the outside of the pool, the shallow end, the middle, the deep end, and then, like, the second square around is like a fence, and that's where your alligators or your sharks are, okay? So, when we're talking about boundaries, we want to talk about what type of people you have in the different areas of the pool, Okay, so your middle of the pool people are like, think about those people that, if they said, hey, I need a place to crash for a few days, but I know you're going to be out of town. Do you mind if I stay at your crib for a little while? I'd be like, yeah, I can give you my keys. I know you're not going to steal from me. You're not going to have a party in my house. (laughs) But I don't necessarily want to share my deepest, darkest secrets, or maybe the stuff that I'm walking through my counselor with, does, that type of thing, right? So that's a lot of people in your life, probably, ideally. Um, your deep end people, that's your ride or die people, <laughs> okay? That's the people that I texted before tonight, and I said, I need you to pray. This is what we're doing. I'm a little nervous. That's the people that they, they know the very ugly parts of me, and they still love me for it. They are the people that I want to celebrate all of life's events with. And that number of people is very few. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that. But they have earned the right to be in my life, to hear all my stuff. And I've earned the right to hear their stuff and walk with them through their stuff as well. So small, small group. But we go miles deep, if that makes sense. You're shallow end people. You got more people, but less intimacy. You're not, you, like it's, it's like surface level chit chat, pretty much. I mean, I might know how many kids you have, or I may know where you go to school, but I don't know that much about you, and you don't know that much about me. And that's OK. That's OK. You don't have to be BFF with everybody. Um, Outside people are outside of the pool. Maybe that's some people that you just met. And you're kind of on the fence about them. Like, I think you seem really nice, but I don't, you know, I've known you for two weeks. So I don't trust you yet. And that's okay. That's okay to say that. That's why they're on the outside of the pool. You may let them in the pool eventually, but... They don't know a whole lot about you. You don't know a whole lot about them. And then outside of the fence, that's where your sharks and your gators are. And we say that because there are some people in your life who they're kind of, they're toxic. And that's not mean to say that, okay? I'm not like, I, f- I feel like that's a lie that we have to address. That, that if there are people in your life who abuse you, they need to be outside of the fence. They don't care for you. They're a shark or a gator or a hater or whatever you want to call them, but they don't have the right to swim in your pool. Unless you're trying to drown them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I am not a proponent of murder. Man, I talked about beating up people, murdering people. My, my anger's coming out. No, but, And maybe, maybe the people outside of the fence were, were at one point most likely, they were a part of your pool, and they were probably in the deep end. That's why they got so close to you to begin with to hurt you. Right? I heard a lot of mmm, so that, that, <laughs> that's, yeah. And so, you know, we, we really have to take care of paying attention of who we're letting in so that we can protect ourselves and protect our families as well. So... Um, and I think the, the last thing before we take a break, there seems to be this correlation between the more self-aware you become of your own stuff and the impact that it has on you, on your friends, on your family, the more you want to have better boundaries with people because you recognize the importance of who you can trust and who you shouldn't. And that's a, that's a good thing. You can't trust everybody and that's not a bad that's not a sinful way of thinking like i don't want us to go like full swing the other end of the pendulum where you just can't trust anybody but there's this good balance and and maybe maybe that looks like for you if you got to figure that out take the resource home and write out some people that are in each section of that diagram for you kind of make it you know where make it more real for you so um, all right, so that is the end of our second installment. So why don't we take a ten-minute break, five-minute break? What you want, Dustin? Ten-minute break, and we're gonna start with or without you. So what? On the dot. So it's seven thirty-four right now. At 730, Shoot, seven forty-four. We're gonna start back.
1: Okay, just to kind of piggyback a little bit about, like, what Christy was talking about. You know, her main point in being self-aware is to just realize, um, you know, when you feel a certain thing, what you're feeling, why is it there, and who you can share it with is is really where, you know, she wanted you to see that's what that was. And, And part of what she was sharing is learning how to deal with it in a healthy way. What I'm about to talk about uh, is a little bit, um, just some basic ways that we deal with emotions in unhealthy and healthy ways, and how we can deal with them in more healthy ways. One thing that I said, you know, earlier is that, yeah, sure, emotions are created by God, but you also see, hey, okay, I was just making sure that wasn't up there. Yet, it's not. <laughs> you also see that, um Emotions are greatly affected by the fall. Um, Dustin has mentioned this a couple of times, um, the fall meaning when sin entered the world uh, in Genesis 3. Our emotions are God-created and can be very productive in the kingdom, right? We said that at the beginning. They can bring us closer to god they can bring us closer to people they can help us understand what we need what we're going through all these things right they can help us deal with stuff but emotions are also affected by the fall um i'm going to read this uh this quote our emotions are no longer naturally oriented in such a way that they contribute to honoring loving and obeying god instead Our emotions have become self-serving, our affections idolatrous, and our passion is for our own glory rather than his. We tend to seek happiness that cannot last, delight in evil, fear that which God forbids, become angry when we should be patient, grieve hopelessly, and hate that which is good. Depravity means that our emotions are wrongly oriented. That's from that article about theology of emotion. So... What that means is, and how we see that play out, and in the counseling room, we see this in very extreme ways in cases of uh, mental illness, depression, anxiety, and bipolar, and all those types of things, right? We see how these things are greatly affected. Um, But just on a daily basis in your own life, um, it's really important as you are being self-aware and you're sharing your things Uh, with the Lord, and you're sharing with people, you've got to see, okay, the emotions that I'm feeling are not good or bad, but what am I doing with these things, right? Uh, What kind of thoughts am I having uh, about these things? Um, Because that is when the sin creeps in, right? Is Is in the thoughts and in the behaviors, right, that you see that are associated with the emotions. And um, our responses and our thoughts are not always God-honoring or truthful or, you know, helpful, right? Um, a lot of times when you see, uh, you know, people will come in and I'll ask them, hey, what brings you to counseling? And a lot of times they'll say something very surfacey, like, um, well, my anger's become a problem. Okay, what's wrong? What you, what's happening with your anger? Well, I'm yelling a lot, maybe punching things, breaking things, right? They're expressing, like, the behavior that's the problem, right? Um, If we all take a step back and look at what we're feeling and how we're responding to it, we're all human beings, and I guarantee you're going to find some unhealthy patterns in your own life. Um, My clients are appalled to think, oh, you're a counselor and you still struggle with this? Yes, man. I'm a human being. Like, I storm out of dentist's office. Like, (laughs) I am a human being. My responses are not always the right responses either. I know what to do. I just don't always do it, kind of like Paul said, right? And that's when sin comes in, you know? But (laughs) when you're thinking about this, you've got to be aware of what am I doing that is unhealthy. Um... And we're going to, and I'm going to help you think of some practical, healthier responses, right? Now, one thing about this list that I'm going to give you is that these things differ with different emotions. So your responses in anger may be very different than your responses in grief or sadness or happiness, right? Um, hopefully your responses to anger aren't the same as your ones in happiness, um, so these things differ, and they're going to differ from person to person. So, like, what I do when I'm angry may not be what you do, right? Um, cool, we don't all want to respond the same way because the world would be chaos, right? But I think that you have to remember that. As you're looking through this list, every every emotion is different, and our responses are going to be different, too. So here's a few unhealthy responses. This is how you see it affected by the fall, right? Um, The first one is avoidance or just denial. This is the easiest one, right? We just go, I'm going to stick this on the shelf and just pretend it's not there, right? I don't want to feel this way, so I'm just going to busy myself. Like Christy said, we just get really, really busy, and we just decide, "Eh, I'm not going to I'm not gonna think about that one. And sometimes, um, in the church, we think that our service, our like, busying ourselves for service for God, is a great way to be like, "Well, this is how I'm choosing joy instead of anger or whatever." That's a form of avoidance, right? You want avoidance is very unhealthy. And I'll tell you why, because it just grows there. It may be like you think it's sitting on the shelf and not doing any harm, but um, I explain it like this a little bit um, to clients. It kind of is like this volcano. It all just sits in there for a while, avoided, not dealt with, and then eventually it it erupts, right? Um, And it could get very intense, like depression, uh, and things like that, or it could just be, wow, I stormed out of the dentist office and overreacted, right? It erupts, right? So we don't, that's a very unhealthy thing, avoidance and denial. You've got to be aware, okay, it's, it's okay if I feel this way. It's okay if I acknowledge this. We've seen this through the Psalms so many times. Over and over, David and the other authors, they are first acknowledging, right, what it is they're thinking and what it is they're feeling, That is a very important part. You cannot manage your emotions if you avoid them all the time. You have to be able to acknowledge that they're there. Um, The second one, isolation and withdrawal. Um, This is very evident with like sadness and stuff like that, grief. Um, This is dangerous because then uh, you are trying to deal with your emotion apart from maybe God, apart from people. And that's a slippery slope, right? It just becomes really bad. And, um, and one, one of the symptoms, actually, of depression, even though we're not going there and talking about a lot of that tonight, you're looking for uh, how withdrawn are they from people. Are they, are they isolating, right? Um, that's very unhealthy. We, and me, as an introvert, I struggle with that one because, as an introvert, I don't really want to talk about my stuff with people, right? Um, not all the time. And so I just pull in, right? And then you're just lonely and, a, and um, nothing's, wor- nothing's changing, right? Addiction. This could be substances, alcohol, drugs, prescription drugs, uh, sex, gambling, you could be addicted to food, right? Quite a few of those right now that I'm seeing that are uh, actually addicted to food. Um, addiction is when it becomes like, you know, I'm just going to drink a glass of wine cause I need to chill out. Like I just need to calm down. And then you think, you know, maybe it becomes something you're dependent on and you're like, I have to have a glass of wine to calm down. Right. Or two, right. It becomes, it gets, it gets really, um, it goes further and further and further down that road. And it's a, it's a real difficult uh, thing to come out of, and you cannot come out of it by yourself, P.S., um, don't try, because uh, you will fall back into it very quickly, because addiction can be, can get in the driver's seat really quickly. This is a, a dangerous one, for sure, for all the, ver- all the um, obvious reasons. Um, people just don't, that's a, a form of numbing sometimes, too. They just don't want to feel something a lot of times, so they go to a substance or, or sex or food or whatever. Aggression. Uh, this could be physical aggression, like in anger, throwing things, punching holes in walls, hurting people, hopefully we're not doing that. Um, or it could be aggression in words. That's another one I struggle with, right? I'll say something that bites a little bit, you know? My husband is like, he you know, you know. Um... And I have to say, I'm sorry, aggression, overreacting or in counseling lingo, we call it catastrophizing. Jen's nodding. She's proud of me for saying that big word. She's a counselor too. This just means like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. Nothing's ever going to get better. People are always going to be this way, right? You just think The absolute worst. Whatever worst case scenario is, your mind goes there really quickly, right? That's a negative response. Impulsivity. This is like acting. I think you said something about this earlier. But impulsivity is acting really quickly out of emotion uh, and not slowing down. Like you said, slow in your roll, Christy said. I'm not cool enough to say that. I'm pregnant, I'm a pregnant lady. I can't say, slow your roll. Um, but yeah, that you're not slowing down enough. You're just reacting really fast, right? Um, impulsivity is also really dangerous as you could probably guess for a whole lot of reasons because, oh, I'm angry. Oh, I'm just gonna do this real quick. Christy, sweet Christian Christy, did not do what she wanted to do to the 18-wheeler But I was driving the other day and said driver next to me did do what they wanted to do out of anger. And I was like, oh, no, he did not just flip me off. Like he made a really impulsive choice, right? (laughs) He didn't think before he acted. We do this all the time. We make really impulsive decisions. Um, That's very unhealthy. You, You could hurt yourself. You could hurt someone else with your words. Uh, with your actions, right? Self-loathing or self-mutilation. These two are not the same, but self-loathing is pretty much like uh, just really being hard on yourself. Oh, I reacted like this again. I suck. I'm the worst person ever, right? I'll never get this right. No one's ever going to be my friend because I keep doing this, right? You just get in this really self-loathing. Um, and this one, this one, a lot of times people um, try to deal with by themselves because they're very uncomfortable telling someone else that they actually feel those things about themselves. Um, but in your deep end, you got to have people that you can even say that to. I'm kind of in this place where I'm hating myself right now. Self-mutilation is self-harm. And you guys may be thinking, okay, no, only teenagers Mm self-harm. No, that is not true. Um, Adults do that, and children. So self-harming could be all kinds of things. I mean, I am not gonna go through that list, but anything that you're physically doing to hurt yourself. But even I watched this ridiculous movie on Netflix one time. I'm not, I don't even know what it was called because it was a waste of two and a half hours. But the, the kid had experienced grief, okay? He's a teenager. And his form of self-mutilation was running. And so he ran until he hurt, bleeding and hurt, like, like all kinds of pain. And so that's actually a form of self-mutilation too. So there's so many different forms of this. Um, if you guys see that in somebody else's life, you need to make sure you're helping them get help. Because that's also a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Addiction as well. If you see that around you, don't don't ignore it. Um, excessive working or other things. Like exercise. Uh, spending money. Social media use. Netflix. Sleep. Um, it's just... Kind of doing anything out of balance right i always tell clients well because they'll ask me i'll ask them well what are you doing what are you doing when you feel like this well i sleep okay well how often are you sleeping oh, i sleeping a lot you know that's a form of avoidance and numbing right you just don't want to feel anything so i'm just going to sleep um Or Netflix. Netflix is not a bad thing to sit there and watch Netflix, but if you're doing it all the time to avoid how you feel or get out of a hard situation, yes, that's bad. Um, Excessive money spending, all these things. Uh, Some people will overwork to uh, to respond to something. Again, that's all unhealthy. Self blame. A little. That's a little bit of self loathing. Oh, this is all my fault. Or other blame, another word for this big word, Jen's gonna be proud of me again, it's overgeneralizing. So we just think, oh, if this happened to me, then it's always gonna happen to me. All these people are gonna always treat me this way. Mm -hmm. Or, and you can do that with yourself too. Oh, I screwed up, I'm I'm gonna keep screwing up, I'm always gonna screw up, everything's bad. Uh, This one is intense, Uh, obviously it can get to the place of suicide or uh, even hurting others. I didn't mention that. Um, But it actually is a reality in our culture. So some people get mad enough and really hurt others. Uh, Some people are in such a place where they hurt themselves to this point, right? So um, there are probably so many more that we could list unhealthy ways uh, that we respond to our emotions. The important thing is when you look at it, Not that you're like, wow, I'm terrible. I do these things, right? That's not the point. The point is for you to just realize it and be willing to work on it. And if you feel like you need help with it, getting help with it, right? Um, Because sometimes, I'll I'll explain this, but sometimes with our more healthy responses, uh, we do that and we're still not feeling any better. Um, And that's sometimes when you need professional work, right? So more healthy responses. We'll go through these kind of quick. How do we have a mature emotional life? How do we have a God-honoring emotional life? What does that mean? How can our emotions be redeemed? If they are affected by the fall, well, then how can they be redeemed? And part of that is in our control, right? There are things that we can do um, that are better responses, right? But the first and the most important thing is prayer, um, praying the Psalms uh, if you don't know what to pray. Praying scripture, uh, reading it so that you know what to pray, right? Um, but, but being gut-wrenchingly honest with God. I think that's the most important part. Um, God can handle your feelings. Uh, I think Dustin said that one time. I don't know which, which week that was, but God can handle it. Even if you're telling him you're mad at him, he can handle it, right? He's big enough to handle your feelings. Um, he created them, right? So prayer is one of the most important parts of it. Um, and it is, it is sometimes, for me, the step that I needed for healing, you know? Uh, sometimes you need more, but prayer is really important. When I say the word meditation... You know, don't get all like, you know, I don't know if this is the right reference, but like Buddha or something. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about being able to quiet your mind. This is a this is an important spiritual practice. Being able to sit and quiet your mind um, and empty it and focus on um, the things that are good or or things uh, that are true, Um, things like that, right? Um, Being in community. um, If you're in community regularly, the people are gonna know around you if you're not doing too well. Mm -hmm. So it's important to stay in community uh, because if you don't, you're gonna get isolated and then no one's gonna know how you're actually really doing. So being in community and being in in community regularly, being honest, not only Christy said this with God, with people, knowing who you can be honest with is important. Relaxation skills. And I'm not going to teach you all these right now, but there is a a resource that I put on the website, uh, like basic relaxation skills. And we teach this all the time in counseling. There's tons of them, right? And a lot of times I just ask people, what do you do to Relax. And um, they'll tell me, oh, I read, or I soak in the tub, or I work on my car, whatever, right? Do something that can relax you. Again, this is a really good one for the emotion of anger, anxiety, um, just some sort of kind of intense emotion like that. Um, on the, on the um, resource I gave you, there's different things about taking deep breaths, how to do that, um, some ways to relax your muscles, things like that. So take advantage of that because um, relaxation is a really cool thing, yoga, being in nature, those types of things. Distraction is another thing we talk about. Um, You can do something temporarily to distract yourself. Sometimes that's what you need to do to calm down, right? If you're feeling a kind of intense emotion. Um, Distraction could be something like, oh, I am going to watch Netflix for an hour, or I'm going to listen to music, or I'm going to go clean, or something. Um, Exercise. Uh, Exercise is, even though if you know me, you know I hate exercise. I don't like to do exercise at all. This is not my thing. But it is very healthy for you, uh, mind, body, and soul because what exercise does is it helps release some happy hormones and stuff that make you feel better. Um, so exercise, even if it's just walking, um, great, great way to deal with our emotions, reading, um, some of you are like, I don't read. That's okay. You don't have to read. You can do the other things. Dustin's like, I know, I I see that. I'm like, man, read, man. Humor and laughter. Sometimes, like, that's just what you need. You just need to laugh something off. Um, That can be a form of avoidance if you're not careful. But sometimes you just got to laugh. And I think for me, sometimes that just happens spontaneously as a mom. Like, my kids will do something ridiculous when I'm upset, and I just can't help but laugh, and it really helps me feel better. Resting. Um, Journaling. I always encourage people to start journaling, even if you don't like it, uh, because you're getting your emotions out somehow. Practicing gratitude. That's a really powerful thing to do when you're not feeling too great, is just to go back and go, okay, there are some things that are good and that I can focus on other than all these terrible things. All these terrible things. Creativity make art, make music, uh, build something. I don't know if you guys follow Chris, but geez, he just felt like, built like the world's greatest playset. So whatever, you don't have to build a playset, but do something creative, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> practice um, Practice forgiveness. Um, this is important, too, because you could let your anger and bitterness build up. So practice just the art of letting things go and forgive, forgiving others. Do something kind for another person. Um, sometimes you just need to get out of your own world for a little bit and do something for somebody else, right? Um, that helps, too. Um, do a hobby, something you enjoy. And the last one that I mentioned was taking a timeout. And I sometimes will tell my little girls that. And I just mean, that's kind of what Christy was talking about when you need to slow down. Sometimes you just need to give yourself a moment, right, Um, to process for a minute. Before you say something, do something that could be very hurtful or unhealthy, right? So taking a moment to chill. Okay. Um, there's a lot more of those too. I found tons of those and I can't even believe there's so many, but, um, if you, if you, if again, if you're trying that stuff over and over again, and it's not working, it could be indicative that maybe there's more something like something more serious happening. Maybe you actually have something like depression or, um, another serious mental illness that needs to be addressed professionally so um some of these things yeah they're gonna work try them they're gonna work but there are gonna be times where you're gonna feel like yeah that's this is not working something's going on right you've got to be aware enough to know i need i need further help i need i need something more than community i need something more than prayer and that kind of thing i need i need somebody to help me okay cool all right christy's gonna finish up with this last part okay
2: so we're in the home stretch and we are y'all okay if we go like just a few minutes over to include like Q&A? Okay, cool. cool. That's raining anyway. That's right. I like, man, I like you. Um, <laughs> so this is a portion where we're, I'm going to teach you guys um, a biblical model. I'll give you a brief history. So this was a model that was created at like 1130 at night in India. Like, when Josh and I went to Asia, we were in India, and uh, we were getting ready to do a uh, a conference there. And I was wanting to teach um, all the ministers there, like, how to handle the load of ministry and for yourself. And uh, myself and my teammate were like, we don't know what we're going to teach them. And then the Lord was like, boom, I gotcha. So, um, won't he do it? Amen. So, Psalm 42 was uh, the reference point of where this whole model came from. And um, I call it the AAA model. It's not because it's roadside assistance or anything like that. It's really a lame name. If you guys come up with a better one, let me know. Uh-huh. Anyway, it's acceptance. Nope. See, it's brand new still. It's, uh, it's awareness, acceptance, and adoration. So, super creative name, right? So, just remember that. Okay, so I'm going to read Psalm 42, and I think it's going to be up on the screen as we go through it, and, um, you know, if you're really aware, maybe you'll be able to pinpoint where the awareness, acceptance, and adoration is in the psalm. So, um, verse 1, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, where's your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you such in turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. And I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones, while all day long they say to me, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. I don't know about you guys but this is a psalm that it should bring a lot of hope because this is evidence that people from this time experienced heart hardship and depression and questions and confusion and they brought it to the Lord right so this is the ba- like this is where this model came from and so we're gonna break it down kind of quick it's 814 I want to be respectful of y'all's time um, so awareness, awareness is noticing the changes that are happening within yourself, right? Think of the self-awareness. You're just becoming aware of what's different, right? And the psalmist said this in Psalm, I mean, verse four. He says, I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I used to walk with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. So that's what used to happen. Something's changed. He's not feeling those joyful thoughts anymore. He's not leading the procession. Now he's feeling dejected, right? And so he's he's aware that something's different. And then the acceptance piece, okay? Accept what you notice. Don't ignore it. Don't brush it under a rug. Don't pretend. Don't over spiritualize it. Gosh, we're so good at that. Don't do that. Um, Verse 5 and verse 6 Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? And he says, I am deeply depressed. It's not a sin to feel depressed. Let's just throw that lie out the door and put it back to hell where it belongs. That's not sinful. (laughs) It doesn't mean you're not trusting God. Some of us are depressed because we have chemical imbalances and our bodies aren't producing the type of hormones that we need. Some of us are depressed because we've had a lot of crap happen. We've lost a lot of people and we don't understand what's happened. It's okay to feel sad about that. It's okay to feel down about that. It's okay to feel confused about that. Feel it, don't deny it. And this acceptance piece, this is probably where you need to go talk to some people about it. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't turn inward and just, you know, go to Netflix or go to bed and talk, like, community. This is where you need to talk to people. Maybe after you've talked to people and it's still not fixing anything, it's not changing how you feel, maybe that's time to contact a pastor and then maybe contact a counselor. Because as much as we love our pastors, they're still not fully equipped to handle things like depression. And they know that. So they're going to help you. (laughs) They're going to help guide you to a resource. So that's acceptance. Maybe it should be acceptance slash action. Okay, then adoration. And adoration is just a really fancy term for worship God through the situation. Like, I don't feel like worshiping you right now, God. I'm in turmoil, I'm depressed. But we shouldn't be led by our feelings. Like if the biggest takeaway you take tonight is don't be led by your feelings. Your feelings are there to let you know something, but they're not, how you respond in that is not truth, right? Like your, like emotions are just a message. It's like a piece of mail. It comes in the mail, it lets you know what's happening, and then you get to choose how you want to respond, So you may be feeling depressed, but you still get to choose. I will praise God through all of this. We sing this all the time. Do we mean it? Right? And verse 11 says that. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Y'all, sometimes we have to preach the gospel to ourselves. Amen? Like, sometimes it's hard. Life happens. I wrote a blog on this not too long ago, Uninvited Interruptions. We all have it. Maybe it means somebody, somebody passed away. A relationship was broken. Um, you lost a job. Whatever it is, life happens, and it's messy, and yet we will still choose to praise God and trust him at his word through it, Right? And in doing that, it points back. We are saying to God, despite my feelings, despite what's happening, I will believe what Your gift and what Your word says to me, no matter what. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be motivated to. And let, hmm. You may be. You may struggle to question. Why is God allowing this? That's okay. Wrestle with that. Wrestle with it. Don't run from it. He's big enough. You've got lots of friends who would love to walk through that with you. Maybe not lots, because remember the pool. We got your your deep end people. That's a deep end people question, okay? Don't go to somebody that's struggling. (laughs) You're going to get some crazy stuff. But go to somebody who's in the deep end with you. You know, when you're when you're drowning in the deep end, they're going to be there to pull you up and they're going to be that support for you. And this is big enough to handle that. God is not scared of you questioning him. He he I'm pretty sure he says, "You can come on, bring your stuff. I can handle it." So I had a quote, but I'm not even going to go there because we kind of covered it and summed up. So that's it. It's that easy. Awareness, acceptance, and adoration. So this is an easy model, but this is not saying if you are struggling with something and it is causing you great, great, problematic uh, grief in your life, I'm not saying don't, don't, like, stay there. I'm saying at that point you probably need to go get some help, but that's part of that acceptance and action piece, right? So know your limits and that sort of thing. So um, that's the model. Really easy, triple A. We'll have all of this on the website. And so I think it's 8.20 now. So that leaves 10 minutes for questions. And Kara and I will do our best to answer your questions,
1: if you have some. Thanks. Yeah. And just a quick reminder, like if you go to that, the website, we have a lot of um, things to help you be aware. We have the feeling wheel. We have a mood chart to track your mood. If you need to do that, we have some relaxation skills, the Socratic questioning. We have a couple of articles about how to pray the Psalms. Um, So there's a lot of cool stuff on there for you. So take advantage of that. And um, yeah. Uh, Is that up there? VCNOLA.com Managing Emotions.
0: So we've got a few things. Um, Look at Chris. Man, he's so good. Can we give it up for Chris?
1: He really is the best.
0: VCNOLA.com slash Managing Emotions is where you're going to find all those um, tools that they were talking about, as well as um, give Chris a few days. They'll have audio as well as video, as well as all of their notes that were up there um, for tonight. The, uh, someone asked about the blogs. I meant to mention that as well. If you go to uh, vcnoel.com slash blog. Is it blog, Chris? Yeah, vcnoel.com slash blog. It'll, it'll have kind of a list of all of those blogs. And uh, most of those are what we've been posting over these past A few weeks. So every emotion that we've talked about on Sunday, we have a blog that's been written by these two ladies, Jen Nettles, uh, Rebecca Henry, and Mallory Cooper, who are all uh, counselors and/or training to be counselors. Um, And then uh, vcnola.com/slash/all-the-feels. And if you forget all of that, but you remember all the feels. You'll, you can find links to all of those resources on that webpage, as well as, as more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, including, because we've talked a lot about community tonight, uh, if you go to the All the Fields page, you're going to find links to take you to V-Groups, which is one of the ways that we facilitate community here at Vintage, as well as a link for Life Groups, which is another way that we facilitate community, as well as a list of uh, five counseling centers that these two ladies recommended. And so if you feel like you need um, to take it a step further and do professional counseling, there's um, some options there for you as well. Um, okay, well, let's talk about some questions, huh? Sorry, I'm, this is kind of weird, isn't it? No Questions. <laughs> Sorry, we didn't have another one of those. It's okay. I just needed to be a little Thanks, taller than you little. guys. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, well, based on, this is a question that I actually had. Um, and we'll get to some of the others. But I think it is important for a lot of people when we talk about counseling. Um, what would you say to somebody if they asked you, like, when, when is it time for me to get counseling? Like, when do I, how would you answer that question?
2: Anytime. <laughs> no, I mean, I think uh, most people tend to wait till their breaking point, mm-hmm. And that's too late. Um, and honestly, I mean, if you think you don't have anything to work on, you do. Um, I mean, it's, it's true. And I don't know, like now Mm
1: -hmm. I'll say this too. You know, one thing about counseling, you know, we have to follow all kinds of ethical codes and stuff. And so sometimes I have friends, uh, from church or friends in life want to seek my counsel, which is totally cool. Um, But what I'll do too in those situations is I'll hear them out, um, what's going on, and then I'll point them somewhere. Uh, I'm not gonna see them myself. So sometimes it's a situation like that too, like, yeah, I'm not gonna counsel you, somebody else can, right? Um, But yeah, I would agree with that. Like, you don't wanna wait too long for that. Um, cause a counselor is not a miracle worker and, uh, you may need a miracle worker if it's to that point. Right. So yeah, just do it when you start noticing, okay, things are starting to get a little out of my control, out of my, out of hand. Okay.
0: Um, battery. low battery. I'll talk with the two mics. Uh, that wasn't Chris's fault. It had two bars, so we can't, we just praise Chris. We can't blame Chris for everything (laughs) that goes wrong. Um, so, well, here's a, here's some questions about the, the pool analogy. So one question, how many people uh, is too many people in the deep end? And then attached to that is what, what if the stuff as Christy calls it, is with someone in your deep end?
2: Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> you both need to go to counseling. No, no, no. I mean, if it's your spouse, you definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. Come. And, and maybe, like, let's unpack it a little bit. Like, if the stuff is like abuse, uh, I would highly encourage you not to take your abuser to counseling with you. So if the, uh, you know, if the stuff is with your spouse and they are your abuser... Counseling's not going to work. It's uh, like the moment you begin to be honest, you get home, your abuser takes it out on you. It's it's not good. So maybe it's um, you know it's kind of tricky. Like you got to w- weave through that, like kind of. But if you're, you know, if the person that your your stuff is with is is in the deep end, and it's more like a friend, um, then I think conflict resolution, mm-hmm. right? Um, like learning some really healthy ways to to communicate, when you do this, I feel this. Mm -hmm. And it's not blaming that person. It's just saying, I want to make you aware that I feel hurt or I feel unheard or I feel like you are owning how it impacts you. um, And try, like with the goal of restoring that relationship. Now, to the point where they're not hearing you, they're getting defensive they're moving into abusing territory it might be time to kind of push that person to the gators, to the gators that's right <laughs> no but um it, it's kind of a tricky situation It just kind of depends on mm-hmm. what's happening right. in the, and um you know if whoever asks that if it is an abuse situation feel free to come talk to us mm-hmm. we we would love to do that i hope that
1: and i mean the first part of that question how many people are too many in the mm-hmm. deep end like, I always give this analogy about how Jesus had the 12, and then he had, like, a very small inner circle of Peter, James, and John with him. It was really small. Um, those were the ones who walked with him through really hard moments and saw a lot of things that the others may have not seen. So, you know, I wouldn't say there's a number, but it needs to be a smaller number, um, Yeah, like three, four, five, which is why life groups are so are are so small, Um, because you you don't want so many people into your deep things, uh, because that that can get really messy, really quickly. Plus,
0: it's really hard to manage. Yes, Yes. you can't. You can't many close relationships. Right, you just
1: can't. Yes.
0: Um, Okay, here's kind of a combo question. So, being in community, how are you able to recognize when someone isn't doing well? So maybe they put on a mask, and they seem to be doing well, but they're really not. And then, so that question. Then, what should you do if you know someone in your life uh, that is going to hurt themselves or do something destructive?
1: I'll tackle the first part of it. <laughs> um, those are heavy. Okay, say the first part again, so I answer it right.
0: Um, How are you you able to recognize when someone isn't doing well, when they're putting a front on?
1: Um, This is a really hard question for a counselor to answer because we are trained to know how to do this. Um, So we see things a lot quicker sometimes. But I think that if you know someone well and you know their norm and what... uh, where they function in a healthy way, like where they're sitting. You know how they act. You know how they um, are treating others. Um, you know how they interact with maybe family. You see that often. And this, this needs to be a, a person you're fairly close to, I think. But if you see anything um, out of the norm, I think if you're close enough, please ask. Like, mm-hmm. ask them how are you doing, you know? I'm noticing that you haven't really been as talkative the last few times I've seen you, or I've noticed that, um, I don't know, anything, whatever it is that you notice that seems a little out of their norm, I think that's, that's maybe a sign, you know? Also one of those things, you know, if, you, if you're watching some, if you see any of those unhealthy behaviors, because a lot of times, some of, those health, some of those healthy behaviors people don't ever see because they're hidden, right? But some of them are very evident to people around you, right? Oh, I'm noticing this guy is drinking a lot more than he used to. Okay, that's a, that's a sign, right, to me that maybe something's going on, maybe he's not doing too well, uh, I'm noticing these this marriage of a friend of mine they don't seem like they're healthy. I need to ask, right? You, you pay attention to those unhealthy responses and ask if you feel comfortable enough to ask if they're in a place with you where you can ask, then ask them. If not, because uh, I, have, I have a lot of relationships with people and I notice unhealthy things. Maybe they're like shallow in people or like middle, Pool people is that what it's called, and I may not actually say anything, um, but I may just simply ask them a question. Hey, how are you doing? You know, something like that. Like not as deep as maybe the other things, but yeah, don't be afraid to ask and pay, you know, pay paying attention to people, not just yourself, paying attention to them too. Yep. The second part. Is-
2: yeah, okay. and um, the suicide question. So I think. A lot of people are always scared to assess and like explore how like how deep does this suicide threat go and i don't think you should be scared to to ask about that i think you should if they're close enough to tell you that they're thinking about suicide then that means they're inviting you to ask questions um whether they mean to or not but ask like how like how lethal are they thinking like do they have a plan have they thought it through to the point where they have a plan? And if they were to carry out that plan, what is the, um, the likelihood that they will actually die and be successful in that? And if it, is, it, if it is like I'm going to take a knife and I'm going to stick it in my gut, you need to stay with that person, and if they're not with you, then you need to try to figure out, call a family member, you need to try to get there, call the police if you know where they are, because they they have an intention and they mean to carry it out. And um, it's like, that's, I mean, that's a lot of what we would do. We would assess to see how realistic is it. Like if you, are, are you just having like thoughts? And are they just like passive thoughts? Which is like, if I could just, sink in the bathtub, and just drown right now, I'd be okay, or is it more like very active thoughts, like I'm thinking about different ways that I could do it, and I I have all the means that I could do it now, and so there's a whole nother way that, you know, you would talk about a safety plan, and, and, and being, like surrounding that person with family and loved ones for 72 hours to watch them, or you take them to the hospital, and the hospital will do that as well, so... You want to. You don't want to be afraid to explore it with them, but do know that it is a very serious, uh, serious accusation against themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Last question. Um, so, I'll, well, I'll ask the question and then, because it's kind of it's maybe difficult to understand. How how do you master your behavior when the, your emotions are taken advantage of when you're trying to exhibit the character of Christ? Does that make sense? So how do you master your, your behavior when you have you have certain emotions that uh, are in line with the character of Christ, but those are being taken advantage of? Like, how would you? No, no, no. Someone's, take, someone's taking
2: advantage of you. I think the way
0: the question is, someone's taking advantage of you and your emotions that are Christ-like. Mm-hmm. How, do you, uh, how do you respond to that? What do you? What do you? What? How should your behavior be?
2: I think I get it. I think it's kind of like, um, like your kindness is taken for weakness, and people are walking. That's the on way you. I. That's the way I take okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you're not a doormat, if that's the case. And so, like a. I mean, I think Christ is an example of that, where until the point where he willingly laid down his life and allowed the um, people to take him the night before his crucifixion. Right. Or like, yeah, whatever the timeline is. Um, he, he didn't seem to be a doormat. I mean, when, when people were sinning, he turned up the tables in the chamber or not the chamber, but the, um, it's late (laughs) in the, um, the temple. Thank you, Dustin. Um, (laughs) But I mean, practically, I think it's that idea of having good boundaries and being able to be assertive, right, so assertiveness is very different from aggression. Aggression is motivated by anger and power, and assertiveness is motivated by I'm a person and you're a person, and we are created in equal value and worth, and you will not treat me that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how I would answer that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that I was like, helps.
1: I needed a concrete example, but I think that that example that you ran with helped with that. I don't know okay. who answered that, but if you need more and you want to explain your question, you can come up to us after. Cool.
0: Yeah, they'll be here all night. So Yes. <laughs> uh, <I'll> be sleeping <laughs> here. <laughs> hey, uh, can we give it up for Karen uh, and Christy? Thank you, ladies. Thank you. I think they might like you better than me. They might like your teaching better than me, I'm just saying. Um, I know some of you, maybe you had questions that we didn't get to, or maybe you're kind of processing everything that you've heard, and maybe tonight or tomorrow or the next day uh, you'll have questions. We have an email, pastor at vcnola.com. That's a a general email that some of the pastors check, and that would just go to the pastors. Uh, And if you have a question, maybe for us or these two, that you would like them to answer feel free to email that email pastor at vcnola.com and we'll forward those emails to them and hopefully be able to give you a response to that okay well it's 8:37. you guys owe them seven minutes congratulations we also
1: started like eight minutes late
0: that's because they got here late yes Uh, Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. I hope this was uh, beneficial for you. Please be here on Sunday. We are wrapping up all the feels talking about anticipation. And so I'm really excited about it as we we anticipate what the Lord's going to do in our life, in the life of our church, in the life of our city. So I hope that uh, we'll see you guys on Sunday. Have a great night. Thank
1: you all.